today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Your walk needs to match your talk. That's what Paul's saying here. You're accusing me of this? <laughs> Listen, examine my walk. Examine my fruit. My walk matches my talk. I practice what I preach, and I preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm the messenger, and the integrity of the message is consistent in my life as the messenger. And that's what he's doing. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. How can you recognize a person of integrity? Pastor J.D. answers this in today's teaching by illustrating the characteristics that mark Paul's integrity and which we can also find in other people of integrity. First and foremost, our yes should be yes and our no should be no. If you say it, then you should live it because this makes up who you are. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with part one of his message, Three Marks of Integrity. Our text today will be chapter 1, verses 15 through 24, beginning in verse 15. The Apostle Paul is writing and by the Holy Spirit says, Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted, verse 16, to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But, verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it had always been yes. Verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God, verse 21, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The King James renders verse 22 this way, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest, I want you to hang on to that word, the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. I call God, verse 23, as my witness, and I stake my life on it that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. 
I've titled today's teaching, Three Marks of Integrity. And the reason for that title is that the passage before us records for us the integrity of the Apostle Paul in the face of false accusations that have been once again levied against him. I'll tell you, if you ever want to see what a man or a woman is made of, the integrity in the heart of a man or woman of God, just look at how they react to false accusations. Sadly, there were some amongst the Corinthian Christians who had persisted in falsely accusing Paul of not being a man of his word, his yes not being yes, his no not being no. And as such, Paul deems it necessary to defend himself. And in so doing, he provides us with what I see as three characteristics of integrity in the life of a Christian. In verses 15 through 18, we see our first one, which is simply this. Our yes will be yes, and our no will be no. That's it. Our word is our bond, as it's been said. In verse 15, Paul says that he initially wanted to visit them there in Corinth first in order to benefit them twice. And in verse 16, he tells them he wanted to visit them first on his way to Macedonia and then second on his way back from Macedonia that they might then send him on his way to Judea. That's what he had hoped anyway. In verses 17 and 18, he kind of turns a corner and gets into this, what I love about Paul, this sanctified shaming, if I can say it that way, by rhetorically asking them this question, do you think I'm fickle? Do you think that when I make plans, I plan as the world plans? And then he says, as surely as God is faithful, their message is never one of both yes and no. What he's saying here is, contrary to your accusations of me, I do not talk out of both sides of my mouth. When I say it, that's it. That settles it. My yes is yes, and my no is no. In order to better understand what Paul is saying here, I think it would be helpful to first provide a bit of the backstory to really understand why Paul is deeming it necessary to defend himself. Paul doesn't always defend himself. My goodness, if he defended himself against every accusation and every attack, the epistles would be full of Paul's defense. He doesn't do that, and wisely so. I've heard it said that if you try to defend yourself all the time, God will let you. (laughs) It's much more better to let God defend you. But there are those times when it is necessary to, and this is one of those cases, to answer those who are falsely accusing you. Paul had fully intended to visit Corinth twice, but he was unable to for a number of reasons, not the least of which, as we're about to see, is that a second visit would have certainly not been edifying. And the reason it wouldn't have been edifying is 
were he to visit them on his way back from Macedonia a second time, it would have been not good. <laughs> Riddled with sorrow. When we get, Lord willing, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to read more details into this in verses 1 through 4. Paul says, But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad, but the one who is made sorrowful by me? And I wrote, verse 3, this very thing to you, lest when I came I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy. You should, Corinth, be bringing me joy. You should be a source of joy, not a source of sorrow. He goes on to say, having confidence in you, all that my joy is, the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Wow. This gives us a snapshot into the Apostle Paul. And it's not what you think. I think we often picture the Apostle Paul just being this rough, gruff, indifferent, always in a hurry, no time, just a real kind of a unloving guy, and nothing could be further from the truth. I believe Paul cried a lot, which <laughs> encourages my heart. We see him in Acts 20, talking about how he would cry day and night. We see here in 2 Corinthians 2 how he would weep for them. Why? Because of his love for them. Paul was a loving man, and he loved the Corinthian Christians so much, I would venture to say more so than maybe some of the other churches. And the reason I say that is because he spent a year and a half with these people. I believe he led many of them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He knew them personally, and he loved them tremendously. And it's for this reason that they, in fact, broke his heart. I see a heartbroken Apostle Paul here. I really wanted to come to visit you, but I'm not going to visit you if all we're going to do is have conflict. I'm not going to come visit you because it's not going to be a joyous occasion. It's going to be a sorrowful occasion. It's going to be riddled with conflict. What, I'm going to come visit you on my way back from Macedonia, hoping that you're going to send me off to Judea with your blessing, with your love, with your prayers? And instead, I'm going to come and visit you, and what are you going to do? You're going to attack me. <laughs> You're going to accuse me. Forget it. I'm not coming. I'm going to spare you and myself of that. And that's why. And that's why he deemed it necessary, prudent, to not visit them the second time. These are touching words from the Apostle Paul. And to me, it explains why it is that he would make this decision to change his plans and not visit Corinth on his way back. However, in making this decision, it seems that Paul, in a way, created the very thing that he had hoped to avoid, such that he's still falsely accused. He's still attacked unjustly. 
It's that saying, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. And I see the Apostle Paul making a decision, which way do I want to be damned? (laughs) I'm going to be falsely accused either way. If I go, I'm going to be attacked. If I don't go, I'm going to be attacked. Which way am I going to go? Either way, it's six one half dozen to the other. He's accused of not being a man of his word. He's accused of not following through on his commitment to come and visit them on the way back. He's accused of being a man who, again, speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He's accused of being one whose yes is not necessarily yes, and his no is not always no. And this is exactly what Jesus spoke to in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, which is what they would do in that day. For it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, nor can you make one hair come back. Oh, that's not there. That's, I'm sorry, that's the JDV. (laughs) You'll forgive me. Verse 37, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Isn't it true that when somebody says, I promise, I swear on a stack of Bibles, it's like you have to rely on something else for the assurance of that which should come just by way of your word. We need, as Christians, to be men and women of our word. Our yes absolutely must be yes. And our no must absolutely be no. We have to be known for our integrity. And this sort of ties into the second one in verses 19 through 22. And it's that of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now stay with me on this because this is really fascinating to me. In verse 19, Paul says, Jesus Christ, who was preached among them by Silas, Timothy, and himself, was never yes and no, but always yes. In verse 20 he goes on to say that no matter how many promises God made, they are always yes in Christ, through whom they speak, amen, so be it, is what amen means, to the glory of God. In other words, God's promises are yea and amen. In verses 21 and 22 he says, we stand firm in Christ, who anoints us and guarantees his seal of ownership on us by putting his spirit in us, and here's that word, as an earnest down payment. As we understand an earnest money deposit, it's guaranteeing the final payment, if you please. A couple thoughts here on what Paul is saying the first of which has to do with God's promises being yea and amen. What's Paul saying here? 
What Paul is saying is, in effect, like the Jesus he preaches, he himself is a man of his word, and that he can be relied upon and trusted because of that. I suppose one could of the Apostle Paul's life say that the messenger had the same integrity as the message, and this by virtue of the fact that the message has the integrity of the Savior himself, and that is the dock to which Paul anchors his boat of integrity. Perhaps you've heard it said, practice what you preach. I hear that a lot (laughs) at home from my wife and children. (laughs) Or how about sayings like, walk the talk. Your walk needs to match your talk. That's what Paul's saying here. You're accusing me of this? (laughs) Listen, examine my walk. Examine my fruit. My walk matches my talk. I practice what I preach, and I preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm the messenger, and the integrity of the message is consistent in my life as the messenger. And that's what he's doing. And he's right. And the Corinthians are wrong. It's the second thought that I want to take a closer look at. It has to do with what Paul says about the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the life of one who possesses this integrity. It's interesting to note that Paul delineates this threefold work of the anointing, the sealing, and the guaranteeing of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. First, the anointing that Paul speaks of carries with it the idea of preparing, equipping, and especially empowering one for service. Let me explain this just briefly. It's the Holy Spirit in us, anointing us, sealing us, guaranteeing us, that empowers us to live lives of integrity. It does not come in and of ourselves. It is not in our own strength. It comes vis-a-vis the indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, in addition to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's the sealing by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it would have the idea of a signet ring that would seal as a seal of ownership. In other words, the Holy Spirit is that seal of His ownership. We are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. The earnest money down payment has been made, guaranteeing the final redemption. It is His seal of ownership. And then it's this third one. It's not just the anointing and the sealing, but it's also the guaranteeing by way of the Holy Spirit as the down payment. We refer to this as that earnest money deposit. It is a guarantee. It's non-refundable, if you will, guaranteeing the final purchase, which ultimately takes place at our redemption. Here's where I'm going with this. What characterizes a man 
or woman of integrity is that there will be this evidence of the filling with the Holy Spirit. Many years ago when I was a young believer, I had a friend of mine who had come to Christ in a really dramatic way. This guy was a towering figure, tall and built and looked mean and rough and tough. And when God got a hold of his life, he just became this little puppy dog. And it was so evident in his life. Maybe you've experienced this, where you have seen outwardly, visibly, the change that comes in a person's life when the Lord gets a hold of them, when the Holy Spirit is indwelling them. You notice the difference because you know it's not them, it's the Holy Spirit in them that possesses them, maybe that's too strong of a word, controls them, directs them, and that is precisely what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. I suppose the opposite is true, in that what characterizes one who has no integrity is there's a conspicuous absence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not a Spirit-filled life. It's not a Spirit-controlled life. There's no evidence of any anointing, any filling. They're not living their lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Are they saved? Yeah. The Lord knows. The Lord sees the heart. But there's no fruit. There's no maturity. Here's the bottom line. I cannot live a pure and holy life of integrity absent the Holy Spirit indwelling me, anointing me, sealing me, and guaranteeing me for the day of my redemption. Remember not too long ago, I don't see it much anymore, but there will be a sign on a business that will say, under new management. I've always kind of marveled at those signs, because what a smack in the face of the previous management. It's kind of like the old management, the previous owners were so horrible, they ran this thing in the ground, but now it's under new management. Well, that's what it is with us. That's how it is with us. We're under new management. We were running our lives into the ground. But now we're under new management, under new ownership. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. 
and you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 